we'd like to welcome you back to our third and final part of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 31st, 2014. Next report, and again, along the same lines here, Baptist Church in Kentucky plans first gay wedding. Now we've even got the Baptist Church being infiltrated. It starts out by saying they have lived together for five years. They have a garden and a dog. They have a joint bank account. But only recently did they have the right to be married at their church. David Bannister Jr., 29 years old, and Stephen Carr, 25, are to be married next May at Highland Baptist Church, which will break with most churches in its denomination by performing its first gay marriage ceremony. It takes courage to step out into the unknown, said Pastor Joe Phelps. Courage. Yeah. Who was approached by Bannister and Carr about the ceremony two and a half years ago. He goes on to say, quote, It's taking courage to be one of the first churches to do this. Well, no, Mr. Uh, Devil Pastor Phelps, it's not courage. Please, please, don't, don't even dare to act like this takes courage. It takes no fear of God. I'll, I'll grant you that. It, it takes a um, no fear of God, a healthy fear of man, and the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. Uh, politically correct, New World Order type vision. Yeah, it takes all of that. It takes somebody with no backbone to stand up for what is right and what is righteous and for what is biblically true. It does take that. But please don't don't use the word courage. Because nothing that you're doing could be under the guise of courageous or that at all. It's the exact opposite. It is what it is. You're nothing but a tool of Satan. That's all you are, pastor. As state law stands, the marriage will not be recognized by the state of Kentucky which is appealing court rulings overturning its ban on gay marriage and requiring it to recognize same-sex marriages performed in other states. When Phelps first arrived at Highland Baptist in 1997, he said there was a don't-ask-don't-tell policy regarding gays. <laughs> Again, you give the devil an inch, you take a mile. Don't-ask-don't-tell is not, is not biblical at all, okay? But that's what they did. Oh, well, let's, let's ignore it. We, we don't want to ask about it and... We don't tell. Well, that let that opened the door for Satan. And now look what you've got. You've got full-blown gay ceremonies going on at the church. The following year, a gay couple's photograph appeared in the church directory. Mm, how awkward is that? And slowly the church began to o- openly welcome lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered members and dedicate their children, he said. Well, they had to be either adopted or artificial insemination if they were women. Because obviously they can't procreate on their own. In 2012, I mean, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, that type of thing. In 2012, it ordained an openly gay minister, the Reverend Morance Bojangles Blanchard. Gotta love that nickname, Bojangles. You know, openly gay minister. What a guy. What a great guy. Anyway... 
Maurice Bojangles Blanchard, who leads a gay ministry at the church. I, I hope that, that when he comes out, he wears a gay flag robe as well. Like the gay flag, but in a robe form. To really show his true colors. No pun intended. Actually, there was a lot of pun intended in that. But yeah, yeah. Hopefully that, that they have that whole dynamic going on. Here's another lovely one. A, a lovely, in a really, really disgusting, nauseating way. Baptist Church ordains transgendered woman. And says God has invited her, slash him, I put the him in, to step into the faithful witness of a new identity. Because, you know, God is obviously the author of confusion. And, you know... He wants us to have all of this confusion in the church. and It sets a great example for the little children and for the other congregation members. It really does. It's wonderful. A transgender woman who attended George W. Truitt Theological Seminary and pastored a church in Central Texas as a man has returned to the pulpit. Well, as far as I know, he still is a man. Unless he's got the surgery the whole gender reassignment surgery, and I don't think that's happened, he's still a man. He just dresses like a woman. (laughs) I mean, this is just, it's total insanity. Here's a Baptist church. A Baptist church. This is going on. Allison Robinson, on June 23rd, um, as a transitions pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Washington, this is this is what he changed his name to, Allison Robinson. The calling is temporary, helping with preaching, mentoring, and pastoral care duties, along with deacons, until the church names a longer-term international, oh, intentional interim pastor. Calvary Baptist reaffirmed, you, you watch, he'll, he'll end up being the, the permanent pastor. Calvary Baptist reaffirmed Robinson's ordination June 15th prior to Pastor Amy Butler's departure. Because, see, there's a lot of Bible for women being the pastor of churches, even though there's no Bible for it whatsoever. It's such a foregone conclusion in the New Testament where the Bible says the, the, the deacon or the pastor or the bishop or the elder or the spiritual overseer must be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. And it's such a foregone conclusion in the New Testament that it doesn't even give the other possible opportunity the thing. Because it, it it's totally unbiblical. Oh, now you've stepped over the line. <laughs> Evidently, the Bible stepped over the line then because the Bible's very clear on that. And I did a whole teaching on this. What can women do for the Lord? Part 1 and 2. And there's a PDF. And I give you the links here. Um... It's on page 9 and 10, kind of, in there. So, I already had a woman pastor. So, they were already absolutely in total abject sin regarding that. So, it's no big deal to now ordain a transgendered he-she pastor into the pulpit. Let's just bring another level of abomination in. And they did so. So, here's here's a picture of good old Allison... Robinson, I, 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 ha, I put in here, a.k.a. Al, 
He goes by Allison or Al, you know? Either one, it don't matter. I mean, it's a he, she. I mean, what, it, anything goes, you know? So, anyway, I mean, I, I'm looking at this thing in absolute... You can't tell it's a man. You really can't. Looks almost like this devil went out of his way to really look like a really, like, really cordial, wonderful, happy-go-lucky, full-of-joy woman. You know? A man literally dressed as a woman who's still married to his wife. And their children are still in the picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Allison Dylan Robinson. I guess he kept his middle name, just changed his first name. Allison. I mean, you don't see a lot of women going around named Dylan. What about Butch? Or Bert? Or Nikolai? Some really manly name, you know? Steve, I, I don't know. Allison Dylan Robinson is a minister of the gospel, trained for the task, and ordained to the gospel ministry by another community in which she served as a pastor. You mean he served as a pastor. Because that was before, I believe, he ever even underwent the whole uh, dressing like a woman stuff. But see, you got to be politically correct, and you always have to refer to this man as a woman, even though he lived way, way more of his life as a man outwardly than he ever did as a woman. But no, 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 we must be politically correct. We mustn't offend. We don't want to step on anybody's little, little toesykins and, and, and offend anyone. Butler said, now this was Butler, this Pastor Amy Butler that stepped down so this abomination could fill the, fill the pulpit. Butler said this in an ordination litany, later posted on her blog. She said, over the course of, and I say his journey, God has invited him to step into the faithful witness of a new identity. Faithful witness. Yeah, there's a lot of Bible for this. A lot of transgendered um, men, he, she pastors in the New Testament. A lot of that. A lot of um, that and a lot of the Bible giving um, approval to this. No, there's none at all. There would only be condemnation, but uh, evidently anything goes at this church. So, um, he has now a faithful witness of a new identity, a true identity, and a new name. <laughs> this is such an abomination. She continued, quote, while we have always known him as Allison, actually she said her, she was ordained with a different name. His real name is Daniel Robinson. That was the different name that she was in reference to there. Robinson, imagine this, an LGBT rights activist, oh, imagine that, serving Satan in spades, who has worked in the past for the Human Rights Campaign and as an executive director of OutServe, a network for gays in the military, has previous experience in pastoral ministry, including five years at a Zorian Baptist Church in Portugal and as a pastor of Meadow Oaks Baptist Church in Temple, Texas, while studying for his 
Master of Divinity at Truett Seminary between 2005 and 2007. A 1994 graduate of the United States Military, Military Academy at West Point. This is a West Point graduate, now dressed up like a woman. Are you kidding me? Robinson was commissioned as an officer in the Army. <laughs> Battle-hardened, ready, and tested. You know. Went on to be a war hero. Now he doesn't say that, but... Anyway, then he was known as Daniel Robinson, where he commanded Patriot Missile Units in Europe and in the Middle East, served as a senior trainer and evaluator for NATO, and was an advisor to the Armed Service Forces in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar. Qatar. I guess he got all of the manly machismo stuff out of his system then. And then he discovered a softer side. Hence came Allison, his alter devil ego, even though he was still married. Oh boy, what, what's, a, what's a devil to do? Oh boy. He resigned his commission in 1999 to pursue a calling to the Christian ministry. He enrolled at Truett intending, this Truett whatever cemetery, intending to continue in ministry as a Christian man. But his first few semesters turned into soul-searching about gender identity issues that had haunted him since his childhood. It's pretty bad when you go to cemetery, I mean seminary, and that is the, the turning point where you realize you're a woman and you need to start dressing like a woman. It's pretty bad if, if that's where the turning point occurs. And that's exactly where it did occur. When things got to the point where he contemplated suicide, Robinson went into therapy. Hopefully got on some really good meds, some, some good psychotropic pharmacia meds that further demon infested him. And then, about halfway through his Master's in Divinity study, he told loved ones about his desire to live as a woman. Oh, what a beautiful story. I know all of you have probably broken out your Kleenex boxes by now as we're running into this hallmark moment type story. Danielle Robinson, who married Daniel Robinson, which is his real name. Okay, He was married, he still is, married to Danielle Robinson. He was Daniel Robinson. They got married in 1994. And is the mother of their four children. This abomination in the pulpit, who is acting as a Baptist pastor, has four children by this woman he is still married to. I mean, this is total insanity. She stood by her she-man. I put the she-man part in there. Well, aren't we supposed to stand by our she-man? You know? Uh, Till death do us part? For better, for worse, okay, this is a little worse. You know, I'm sure it's not exactly what she signed up for, but hey, what are you going to do? So she stood by her she-man. Robinson postponed her coming out until graduation from Truett in, 19, in 2007 because of Baylor University policies regarding homosexuality and gender identity, so he just kind of lied his way to the end there. And then he re- re- resigned from the pulpit before his final uh, semester. Calvary's affirmation of my ordination is certainly very meaningful to me and my family, um, Robinson said in an email on July 9th. He goes on to say, 
he, she goes on to say, prior to my coming out, we lamented that soon we would never be welcome in a church of our tradition again. To our great joy, the Calvary family proved us wrong. Oh, what a bunch of apostate devils there. They're so accepting and wonderful. Anyway, just as it has so many others who have felt similar fears. You see how this is like sympathy for the devil. Like that Rolling Stones song. This is what this is all about doing. Having all of this sympathy for reprobate devils that are literally defiling the land. That's what, that's what we're dealing with here. I'm not going to have any sympathy for them. This is an abomination. They have embraced Danielle, our children, and I wholeheartedly and unreservedly, she said. I mean, can you imagine this, going to this church and seeing this, this freak show? Talk about a really good message to send your kids to. Yeah, daddy used to wear, like, pants and, and a suit and stuff like that, and now he dresses up like mommy and looks like mommy, even more, more like mommy than mommy does. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, I'm sure that Satan is so happy with you for, for sending this wonderful message and for not causing confusion in your own family and for setting such a great example to the body of Christ and for serving Satan so faithfully, I think is what it really boils down to here. You know what the Bible says to do about this situation? I'm going to read this to you. I, I haven't read these verses a lot, but this is what the Bible says should be done with Allison, Mr. He, She, okay? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1, says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles. Meaning, this stuff doesn't even go on in the Gentiles, who are unsaved and flat-out idolaters. This is how bad the Corinthian church had gotten. At least this one. That one should have his father's wife. Now, I think in this case, what had happened is, is it wasn't his real mom, but it was, oh, golly, I hope not, but I think it might have been a wife that his father had remarried. Still, that is really, really wrong on so many levels. I'm sure we can agree. A son took his dad's wife. And you're puffed up. The congregation is puffed up. They're proud over this. Look how wonderful we are. We're so liberal. We're so spiritual. We can deal with something like this. Because we're so with it. And you're puffed up. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily, as absent in the body, this is Paul talking, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done so this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what a church is supposed to do. Do you ever hear this happening though? This next line? Have you ever heard this happening in a church? Maybe you have. I haven't. I'm sure it has happened somewhere. If this were happening, if this were happening from the very beginning of, let's say, a true Christian de de denomination, well then, sin would have not been allowed to enter in at least 
overtly and openly and in your face. I know you could have secret stuff going on, but I'm talking about this was openly going on and they were embracing it and they're saying, oh, we're puffed up about it. We're literally getting proud over the fact that we have this going on in our church. This is the remedy right here. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That is what we are supposed to do as a church. You ever hear that preached on? I don't, I haven't. Now, I'm not in any kind of mainstream setting. I don't think I've ever heard it preached on, ever. That's what you're supposed to do. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? A little bit of leaven, which makes the yeast rise, leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take a lot of it. It's defiling the whole church. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. Well, what if you don't do it? Well, then you're going to get leaven, and more sin is going to get committed, and pretty soon the church is not even going to be a church, and you're going to have garbage like this going on, where you're taking your dad's wife, or you're letting a transgender pastor literally be your spiritual head. Are you kidding me? You're going to let some guy who's dressed up in a dress with, with, I don't know if that's a wig on his head? I mean, it's almost like, it's like a big insane asylum, the church. The stuff that's going on, it's literally like a big insane asylum. Where the ones that are most insane are leading the church. I mean, the transgender guy is leading the church. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Get rid of that. Turn him over to Satan and purge him out. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Fornicators, sex outside of marriage. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world. Meaning, there's no way you're going to be able to interact with everybody in society or just interact with people in society because you'd have to go to another planet. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. And this would apply to a sister in Christ. A born-again Bible-believing Christian. That's who this is to. Not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. My comment. So how much more so would a cross-dressing, transgendered, transvestite, so-called pastor need to be rejected by the church? I mean, isn't that way worse than, like, being um, somebody that's covetous? Okay? 
Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to walk around absolute sinless perfection. Okay? But we're talking about someone whose, whose life is marked by that particular sin. Like, they are just a covetous, greedy person. Period. You know? And again, isn't that what this person's life is marked by? The dude dresses up, I don't know if it's a wig, dressing up with women's jewelry, <laughs> makeup, address, his life is marked by this disgusting pig lifestyle. He's got to show everybody he's a woman. That God didn't know what he was doing when he created him. And so he's going to set things straight. And then be married to his wife and have their four kids. Come to church. Sit on the front row. Can you imagine what a stinking abomination of, of, a, of an event every time they have a church service? If God says that we're not supposed to keep company, the point I'm trying to make, with somebody who's an idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner, with one not to even eat, then how much more so would a cross-dressing, transgender, transvestite, so-called pastor, need to be rejected by this church? For what have I to do to judge them that are without, meaning those that are in the world? Do not ye judge them that are within it says that. We're supposed to judge them. Now, this doesn't mean hypocritical judgment, going around judging the speck in your brother's eye while you have a beam in your own. That's the kind of judgment Jesus warned against. Judge not, lest ye be judged. It was in that context. But Jesus said to judge righteous judgment. And he that is spiritual judgeth all things. It says right here, do ye not judge them that are within? In this context, within the brotherhood or sisterhood of Christ, born-again Christians, in a church. Yes, you're supposed to. Why? Because you do not want that leaven to come in and permeate through your church. But, I'll be honest, now, you have 99.999% of all, especially corporate 501c3 churches, just that alone is letting leaven in. You're yoked up with the government, it gave you your right to exist. Every church, though, is like this now. Pretty much. It's because, scripturally, Christian churches have gotten so far away from the Bible and its admonishments that it's just like a free-for-all. They're all in just different stages of decay, most of them, the vast majority. I'm not saying every single one, but I'm saying the vast majority. Yes. So when people ask me, where do I go? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Go to Pastor Sam Adams in Bellevue, Florida? Yeah. If you want to move to relocate to Bellevue, if you think God's calling you there, okay? I mean, I'm not saying there, there's not any other whatever. There's not any other... I, I don't know. I just don't... I don't have that database. I don't know. Then it goes on to say, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That's what they should be doing with this abomination, he, she, Daniel Robinson. And I don't care if he wants to call himself Allison. What an abomination. But we've come a long way, baby, right? You know that old slogan? 
Unbelievable. Next and last report. Pro-gay pastor attends White House event. The Los Angeles area Baptist pastor. We just talked about three Baptist churches in a row who traditionally have been probably of all Christian congregations some of the most conservative. The Los Angeles area Baptist pastor whose church split after he announced he no longer believes all homosexual acts are sinful. He was President Obama's guest at the White House Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgendered Pride Month Reception Monday, June 30th. Because, see, Satan's going to honor his own. And Obama, himself a flaming um, queer guy, most likely married to another guy, Michael Obama. I, I haven't seen anybody refute that information. Isn't it funny that Joan Rivers comes out and says, come on, everybody in Hollywood knows that, that Obama is, is, is a queer guy? And, and that's, not a, that's not a derogatory word. They call themselves queers. They even have their own show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Okay? Obama himself being a sodomite. She says, she comes up, she says, everybody knows that, that, that he's flaming gay, and everybody knows that Michelle's a man. She says that. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You know the first thing that came into my head? She's dead. The Illuminati, the New World Order, Obama, are not going to let Joan Rivers open her big mouth again. She said, it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody in Hollywood knows this. This came out, she said this after all those videos coming out, proving that Michael Obama, Michelle Obama's a man. All of the, all of the physical analyses of him compared to a real man, and we're talking anatomical things going on here. I'm not going to elaborate any further. But anatomical things that have been caught on camera many, many times. And not just what you're probably thinking, other stuff. Dude's a man. And she's, she's in a coma now, probably going to die. They could have killed her right away. You know, that'd be too obvious. But I figured, oh, give it a month, give it six weeks. She'll be dead. Sure enough, she's in a coma, and they don't think there's any hope she's, she'll ever come out of it. I know, I understand, yeah, she's in her 80s, but isn't that kind of funny that that happened right after that? And then with all this flood of information about Michael Obama coming out? Hmm, I'm sure there's no correlation there. Think of how God must view a nation where you have a flaming queer guy that literally was in, I mean, all of his, his, his male lovers, his well-known male lovers back in the day when he was like going to that church in um, Chicago and he became a state senator and he was a community organizer. All of his, his gay lover guys, they're all dead. Huh, I'm sure there's no correlation there. They're all, they're all dead. There was a gay uh, bathhouse in Chicago where they literally had a room named after him. I'm not even going to say the name. After he got in the White House, I think they renamed the room. Where he would go, and I guess he liked older uh, gay white guys was his thing. 
Yeah. Well known in the gay community. They couldn't believe that the gay community in Chicago, which is huge, couldn't believe that, that this guy, you know, was all of a sudden now running for president and became president. But you better keep your mouth shut. Because there's a lot of bodies. A lot of bodies. Anybody that has... Uh, here we have this reprobate of a devil as the president of the United States and his devil she-man wife, whatever it is. Can you imagine how God must view a nation like that with all the other stuff that I've just mentioned today? And the church basically being silent about, you know, 99.9% of it. Not doing its job whatsoever. Not speaking out against sin. Not Well, hey, they're yoked up with the government. The government created them. They're not going to say anything. Might get their 501c3 tax exemption pulled. Uh-uh. No way. Fear of man all the way. <laughs> anyway, we're yoked up with the FEMA and Homeland Security through the clergy response teams. We're not going to say anything. This is the this is the state of affairs we find ourselves in in America. I wish I was exaggerating, but I don't think I am. I really don't. I, I probably don't even know the half of it. You know, I'm probably not even doing it justice at all. So, good old Obama has his has this Baptist preacher who says he no longer believes all homosexual acts are sinful. He was he was one of Obama's. Get, guests of honor at this LGBT Pride Month reception at the White House. Danny Cortez, pastor of Newhart Community Church in La Miranda, California, attended the reception with his son Drew, who was also gay. Well, of course. Isn't that funny? We just heard about two pastors who had gay sons. I guess in their own minds, they can't believe that they have to justify them having a gay son some way. You know, and I guess this is their way of doing it, just accepting it. At the reception, Obama acknowledged open homosexuals serving in his administration. Well, he's the, the chief, right? He's the chief one. And said, 11 openly gay federal judges have been confirmed by the Senate. What a stinking abomination. Including 10 during his administration. This tremendous progress we've made as a society is thanks to those of you who fought the good fight, you fork-tongued devil, and to Americans across the country who marched and came out and organized to secure the rights of others. No, it's all about infringing upon Christians' rights and forcing this agenda down our throats is what this is about. This isn't about protecting their rights. It's about taking away ours. Make no mistake about it. Obama said at the reception, he said all this, he said, so I want to thank all of you for making the United States just a, a little more just and compassionate place. Just. Just. Like justice? No, there is no justice in this type of environment. You got Ken Hovind, they're getting ready to, to nail him again. They're going to literally have Eric Holder come down specifically to, to go against Ken Hovind, who they've done everything to, going to try to throw him in prison for another how many years because he dared defy the IRS. And you got this abomination being honored. I'm going to put out the information on Ken Hovind in the next Christian email that I send out that you 
pray for him. And But, you know, hey, evil is the norm. Injustice is the norm. Wickedness is the norm. It is what is honored, glorified. But that won't be a remedy or any help to them in hell. It's not that I want them to go to hell. I pray to God, if it be possible, they be saved. I do. But most of these people will go to hell. They serve Satan. They are vessels of Satan. They do his bidding. Obama goes on to say, I want to thank you for offering support and guidance to our administration. Because of your help, we've gone further in protecting the rights of lesbian and gay and bisexual and transgendered Americans more than any other administration in history. You're right, devil boy. You're right. And you will pay in hell and then the lake of fire more than you could ever, ever, ever comprehend or imagine for what you're doing you glory in your shame. And again, if if you could have one theme of everything that I have talked about today, it is glorying in your shame. That's the norm. That's the norm in the church. That's the norm in politics. That's the norm in Hollywood. You name it. The more wicked it is, the more we're going to protect it, and the more we're going to glory in it. Well, some verses came to mind as I closed this out that reminded me of what we're dealing with here. Jeremiah 23, 11 through 14 says, For both prophet and priest are profane. That's the norm. All of these prophet and priest, and, and include these pastors, they're profane that we've all discussed today. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. In my house, in the church, I have found the wicked. You, you can't hide from God. It's not like they're even trying to hide from God. Wherefore, their way shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. God will let them have it their way for now. He'll let them drive on. He'll let them be turned over to a reprobate mind. But they're going to fall. For I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. That's what I proclaim to all these devils who I've talked about today. God's word. For I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. The Bible says it. This isn't me. This is the word of God saying this. Or what is better? That God lets it continue forever and ever and ever and the whole world ends up like Sodom and Gomorrah, which is exactly what would happen if just things just progressed at their natural progression. All the righteous would eventually be destroyed if God didn't shorten those days, even said that. And I've seen folly in the prophets of Samaria they prophesied in Baal. See, they were prophesying through Baal. Through the devil. That's where they were getting their words from. And caused my people Israel to err. Be careful what prophet you listen to. You better go to Deuteronomy 18, test of a prophet. And then a few chapters before that, they better get it right every time and it better line up with the word of God as well. 
I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery. They walk in lies. This is the earmark are also the theme of what I've just reported on. All of these congregations and these so-called pastors and these one-world churches, they all walk and operate in lies. They wallow in lies. Lies is the very cornerstone of their life. Because they follow the, they, they follow the father of lies, Satan. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers. Again, all of these things I talked about today, all of these temples to the one world religion, all of these congregations, all of these people, they're trying to push for more legislation and more and more stuff. They're strengthening the hands of evildoers. They're empowering the wicked to do more wickedness. That none doeth, that none doth return from his wickedness. See, when you encourage the wicked, like you say, oh, it's okay, we'll accept you into our congregation. We know that, that you're transgender, you're gay, and, and you're openly, and we know that in your heart, you feel that God still loves you and called you to do that and this and that. Because they're not purging out this, because they're not turning such a one over to Satan, they are strengthening the hands of the evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. So in other words, when you give the wicked carte blanche and say, you know what, you're, you're okay. You're a good dude. It's okay. You can keep doing that. They're not going to return from their wickedness. They think they're doing the right thing. There's going to be no hope for them of ever repenting, is what I'm saying here. That's what we're talking about. You're not doing them a great favor. Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? The Bible says in Galatians 4.16, 4, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Increasingly, more and more, in today's day and age, yes, you will become a person's enemy if you tell them the truth. And they may hate your guts for it. I'm not saying you go around shoving stuff down people's throats. There is such a thing as tact, and there is such a thing as timing, and there is such a thing as praying and fasting before you do something like this. And there is a way of coming about it at more of a, let's say, a more of a, a softer angle before you give them more truth. Maybe trying to like break the ice first. I, I'm all for that. You know? But you just don't never give them the truth. I mean, it just... At some point, you need to deliver that to them. Let's go further. They are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof of Gomorrah. Hmm, there we go again. What did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? And the cities around, oh, fire and brimstone. It sounds like in God's eyes, that is the worst thing that you could have been doing. Sodom and Gomorrah. Doesn't sound like a, 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 a endorsement for the gay lifestyle to me. I mean, I don't know. Call me crazy. And then let's end with Psalm 35. Plead a Psalm of David. David, a man after God's own heart. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. That is a biblical prayer. doesn't mean that you can't pray that their souls be saved. But why is it that we have to just let the wicked overtake us? 
Is there any Bible for that? Just just let it overtake you and let them annihilate you and and, and pray that. Oh, well, the Bible says, "Bless them that curse you." And cur-, you know, you don't ask God to bless a wicked person in their wickedness. That doesn't even make sense. Bless them with the gift of salvation. But you realize that if they're going to get saved, it's probably only going to be through a lot of trauma that the Lord will bring them to the Lord. If they're a wicked person and they're capable of being saved, they're not going to get saved just because they're blessed in their wickedness. They'll never get saved that way. God's going to have to most likely take them to the woodshed, and it may be for a long time, to ultimately get their eyes open, to humble them where they will finally see the light and actually be able to get saved. But what's better? Is it better for God to do that, and then to get saved, and then to serve Christ and go to heaven? Or is it better for us not to offend, or even pray for their salvation, and let them die and go to hell for eternity? I'm just saying, I mean, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Now again, a lot of these verses are pertinent because you're going to have the gays and the lesbians, the bisexuals and the transgender and all the people in the churches that are su- supporting them they're, they're, ga- they're getting their little satanic army formed, and a lot of them are going to be, quote, Christians. The time cometh with the, they that kill you think they do a God's service. Jesus Christ warned about that. They're going to think they're doing God's service. You're, you're, an, you're a bigoted homophobe. I'm going to kill you. You need to die. <laughs> I'm serious, those days are coming. Draw out thy also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Saying to my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chafed before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Or is it better that they continue on in wickedness and take other people to hell, and then die and go to hell. This way they would actually have a chance of getting saved. Through the chastening of God. For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit. Without cause have they digged for my soul. Guarantee you there's an army of LBGT army waiting to take the Christians and literally take their life eventually. You think they were capable of that in Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> I think so. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his neck that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. If it be possible, let their souls be saved, Lord. But when God judges wickedness, good things always happen. The fear of God fall upon people. People get a different perspective. God's name is glorified. The righteous celebrate. People end up getting saved. When God judges in the Bible, good things always happen. Every time. 
And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, and it shall rejoice in his salvation. That's how it ends. Verse 9. So that's all I have for today. Um, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Thank you, Father God, for this day, this time you've let us come together. I pray, God, that wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, God, that you bless it, that you bless the persecuted uh, Christians, Lord, worldwide. You protect them. The innocent, Lord, the unborn babies, the babies, the just the poor, Lord, in the world. All of the wickedness that are being committed v- via Islam and in North Korea and in these uh, a lot of these third world countries, Lord, or anywhere, Lord, against Christians. The Illuminati, God, that, that takes particularly children and Christians as human sacrifices. And I just pray to God you intervene in all of these situations, Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and the blood of Jesus Christ, that you intervene, God, in these situations, that you deliver them, Lord, that great fear would fall upon your enemies, that you would deal with the wicked, Lord, that the wicked would not prosper, that their own tongue would fall upon themselves in the name of Jesus Christ, especially if they will not repent of their wickedness, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart that they be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, that your name be glorified through us, and that you would use the body of Christ mightily, Lord, to save many souls. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.